RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Day After the State of the Union Address Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Wednesday Val and Beans. We're about to uh, interview Cash Patel, and this is one of the rare times where we're recording our introduction before the interview happens. <laughs> yes. Yes, we actually don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, did you watch any of that monstrosity last night by chance? I said I was not going to, and then I left the studio, and I was driving to go pick up some dinner at the diner, and I said, well, what am I going to do? Not listen. To, so I put on I put on Sirius XM, and I was listening to a stream. So I listened to it on the way to the diner. Then I went into the diner to pick up the, the food, and I just waited at the bar with and talked to the staff a little bit, and it was on the television. And then I, I went to pay for it, got back in the car, and I started listening to it again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm listening to it on the way home. Then I had to pull over to start writing myself notes so I didn't forget what I was thinking. So I ended up watching like the whole thing, which was so horrible. It, it was horrible. And, and it was horrible. it was like basically like Joe Biden got on stage and tried to be a conservative for like, I don't know, an hour. Oh, oh <laughs> like, that's the easiest way. That's the easiest way to nutshell this. Yeah. Democrats, knowing how repulsive they are now to a critical mass of Americans, went out and copied all of Donald Trump's homework mm-hmm. and prayed that nobody remembered the last three years. Yep. Yep. It was so pathetic. I hope everyone thought that. Oh, you way. know, the, the worst, the worst thing was the most cringe part was when they tried doing a USA chant. Oh God. I know that was <laughs> terrible. I know. You know what? Chant. Let's see what, what time we have after this interview. Cause cash is just like, I'm ready. So let's get him in here. And then maybe if we have time at the end or Friday, we'll, we'll, Bring it back around. All right. Without further ado. So Frank and I are joined today by Cash Patel. He's back on the show after much change and a lot of growth and a lot of just exciting stuff going on with you, Cash. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me back on. It's always good to be back on with the New York Strong Island crew. Damn right. Damn, yes. (laughs) So look, a lot has changed since the last time we spoke when you were a lot less able to be like, I guess you could say, vocal about things, which, <laughs> which you are now. So I want to revisit some of the stuff that we talked about last time and also talk about the new stuff that you're doing. Um, let's talk about some of the new stuff you're doing. We talked about what, seven or eight months ago, I guess it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you, you just launched something amazing. I'll just let you take the floor. Tell us what you've been doing. Now, my, I guess my, you know, since getting out of government, my unplanned passion project has been fightwithcash.com. And basically what that is, is you guys know, we did Russiagate, Devin and I, we got massacred and then we got defamed. And, you know, it's, it's funny to be able to just say it in like passing half joking, but I sued the New York Times, CNN and Politico and they're in court and I'm not taking a knee. So they're in trouble. Um, but I heard, you know, I went around the country with Devin and the people were like, I've been defamed. You know, people, Tracy, you told me, you know, you're like, I've been defamed, but Everybody was running around saying, I don't know how to do these cases. And more importantly, they don't have the money for it. Yeah. Everyday Americans who got shoved in the face by big tech and big media, they can't go spend all this money on it. So I started this foundation. It's called fightwithcash.com with a K. It's a total charity. No one makes any money. All the money we raise is to help people sue for defamation and clear their name. So basically, you go to the website if you have a case or you think you have a case because not a, no one's really a lawyer in this stuff. And you write a summary. We, re- we review it for free. And then if you have a cause of action, we pay for your lawyers wherever in America they need to go to file your case. And we've got half a dozen cases in the pipeline right now that you'll be hearing about soon. And uh, we're going to keep going. So any support any of your audience can give to fightwithcash.com is greatly appreciated. Plus, we have awesome, awesome merch. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, if for no other reason than to support you with great merch, I would definitely (laughs) wear some. Go buy a headband. Yeah. I want a headband. We could do that. I'm I'm telling you, like personally, for me right now, I'm in the midst of a lawsuit where I'm being sued in some fringe nonsense garbage for defamation, which it just is so serendipitous in the grand scheme that I have to pay for my defense in one of these things after I've been raked through the coals by these people. So like the problem was for me, what you just said, you know, it's expensive to sue these people. 
it's impossible. So someone like you coming in to take up cases that are actually legitimate cases. Whew, what a breath yeah, of fresh air. Game on. Check out the website. It's a lot of fun. Actually, everything we put up there is free. All the content and fun statements and all that stuff. As you said, I'm allowed to be a little more vocal now. So there's a bunch of stuff on fightwithcash.com. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask for donations because these these lawsuits uh, <laughs> don't file themselves. And I don't I wish I had the funding to do it on my own. But Maybe one day. Maybe one you day. Know, if, I ever, if I ever put together or Tracy, if we ever put together a, um, a, a merch section for quite uh, for uh, Dark to Light, we should make a Dark to Light velour suit. Yes. Like, I'll like the put it on the website. And you guys can <laughs> yeah. fight with cash. Like, yeah. you know, a, a Paulie Walnuts Sopranos yes. velour suit. <laughs> Dude, and it has to say like juicy across the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, it'll say beansy and I'll wear it with pride. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, you do have cool merch. As a matter of fact, just to let you know, as I was typing your URL into my browser, merch automatically auto-populated at the end of it. So <laughs> you're doing something right, my friend. I don't know. I don't know. It's the Chinese or we're doing something right. <laughs> so outside of that, you've got Epoch Times that you're doing. You're doing a show, I believe, on on Epoch TV um, you've got, you know, just demand up the, up the wazoo for you because of everything that you've done and are doing. Um, we could go in two different directions. Now we can go the Spygate route, which I think is where we'll go. And then we'll go the foreign policy route because everything is a complete mess. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, you're right. Epoch time. Look, all this media was totally unplanned. Just, I'll just tell you in like 10 seconds, Epoch times and Jan Nikela came up to me after I left. They're like, we want to do a show with you. And I was like, are you guys on drugs? <laughs> and uh, now I do this thing once a week called Cash's corner. And I, and the, the best one I thought was me in my interview with the boss at Mar-a-Lago two weeks ago. So we had some fun. Yeah. You, you know what? I, it's, I feel this lightning happening lately because it's becoming clear to, I think anybody with even a quarter of a thinking brain that, that something, you know, has to change. And I yeah. think that's positive for us. So Let's talk about Durham. Good old Durham. Who, yeah. All right. I'm just going to say it. He's still giving the FBI a pass, Cash. Uh, uh, I think publicly, yes. But I think you have to remember he's indicted the FBI lawyer who lied to the FISA court. And he's working on these. And, and I lay this stuff out extensively um, on my show because apparently people care about this stuff. Uh, we do. <laughs> I, thought I, was the, I thought I was the only one. But I think, um, you know, look, as a former federal prosecutor, spent like three, four years sometimes building international terrorism cases before I got to the X on the indictment. You know, this guy's in year two of the largest criminal conspiracy I've ever seen. And he's doing it with like five guys. So between that and like the pleadings he has filed, I think he's 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 put 20. Well, I don't think I know he told the world he put 24 people in the grand, grand jury, including the leadership at the FBI at the time when the whole Spygate nonsense started to likes of Peter Strzok and all these other losers. So I don't know that he's given him a, I mean, think the public thinks he's giving him a pass because they haven't seen any indictments, but I truly believe those indictments are coming this summer because it's not easy building this kind of case, man. It's hard. So fine. We'll take that as truth. The reason why I'm saying it is for no other reason than he's still saying, Hey, Sussman, you lied to the FBI, and because you did, this is what the FBI wasn't able to do. And basically mm -hmm. pinning it on Sussman, which I got to be honest, throughout this entire story, I never imagined for a minute we would be looking at Joffe for the spying. Never. <laughs> right? Nobody knew who that guy was. No, did you? I, exactly. Who the hell are these names? I don't know who these names are. Did you know that? Joffe. Like, And have to just keep your mouth shut? Like, No. Devin and I have been talking. Obviously, Devin and I talk all the time, and- we had no idea who Charles Dolan was. We had no idea who Joffe or this tech company or this university relationship was. And the reason that we take that as a sign is we were the guys running Russiagate in Congress when we had the majority and we didn't find this stuff because we knew people were hiding stuff from us. Yeah. And, um, and at least John Durham is getting it yep. right. Like we were we were hovering around this stuff and couldn't even find it. He's pulling it out in troves. So I'm actually excited that he got to this level of corruption uh it's not easy no it's i mean nobody thought that this could like even people that lived and breathed this like me and a bunch of others like this wasn't something that i even thought mm -hmm. about um and then you know there's also the um the ig reports that came out this one in particular yeah. that keeps on haunting me about about you know contractors abusing the federal acquisition you know um 
rules. And and he he Horowitz came out with that. Nothing ever happened with it. Like, and then this thing, you tell me what you think about this and if I'm over exaggerating it. So over the weekend, last weekend, um, mm-hmm. Durham filed against Sussman's like motion to strike. Like Sussman wanted to take stuff out um, that that talked about the spying and the executive office of the president. He wanted that stricken. And he argued that the reason it was in there was that Durham was trying to politicize everything. Right. Right. Durham comes back and cites Roger Stone's Mueller case as a reason that he should be able to include it. I mean, it's genius. Right. 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 Like, here's the thing about, you know, being a former federal prosecutor, you know, you have all these discovery obligations. You got to turn over evidence, blah, 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 blah. Right. So what John Durham has been doing is not leaking and being very quiet in his pleadings and not doing anything. Sussman's lawyers come in, the guy that's indicted, the Hillary Clinton lawyer. They come in and say, you, John Durham and the government have to give us more information. They literally wrote a pleading demanding more evidence and information. John Durham goes, "Okay, you asked for it. Here it comes. (laughs) Then he files his pleading and they go, wait, 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 stop. We don't we don't want the public to know that. Plus, what you're saying is false, as if a federal prosecutor like John Durham's going into court and filing false information. Mm -hmm. And then they you know, they, they their strategy failed. But the media sort of carrying the water for them. It will blow up in the media, too, um, because once you convict someone in federal court, that's it. <laughs> what what else are they going to say? You know, John Durham and his five men have have commandeered the federal government to take down Sussman. So you think that Sussman will be convicted of lying to investigators on a one thousand? Oh, yeah. That guy doesn't want to go to jail. What I'd be using Sussman for is to flip, convict him on something, flip up. That's what you do. You build a pyramid. So he's he's at the bottom rungs along with Igor Denchenko. Yeah. He's like mid now. He's like mid level, right? You know, the top rungs to me are like deputy directors, like FBI, McCabe, um, guys like Strzok and Page, guys like Fusion GPS yep. and, and Glenn Simpson and Bruce Soar. Those guys are like upper mid. I, I would put this guy right in the middle of everything. And if you can get him to flip and trust me, this guy don't want to go to jail. Um, you can get him to squeal. I mean, at the end of the day, these people always turn on each other. But you got to put the screws to him, which is what John's doing, I think. So so then in comes Mark Elias or Elias. Everybody always yells at me for saying his name wrong. I don't think he deserves the respect anyway. But what happens to him? He can't just skate out of this thing. Or is he so wrapped up in privilege that they can't do anything with it? No, no, no. Same boat. So like Sussman and Elias are in the same boat. Look, I took the deposition of Sussman that Durham used to indict him. I know. I, 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 I I took Elias's deposition. I took Jake Sullivan's deposition, who I also think should be indicted. We can talk about that. But Elias is pretty much in the same boat as Sussman, except the only thing he, Elias was smart enough not to do was go to the federal government and lie. He shut. He paid for all of it. He was the he was the lead lawyer. Sussman was the number two at Perkins Coie. Elias went out and hired Fusion GPS and who hired Christopher Steele. They did all the Alpha Bank nonsense. And now we've come out that, you know, Sussman led the effort for the mining of the information over at the White House and the Trump Tower. Of course, Elias was a part of it. He was just smarter not to go out and lie about it to federal agents. Now, I think Mark Elias is criminally liable for the conspiracy case that John Durham is building. But similarly to Sussman, he may want to flip Mark Elias um, against people in the Clinton campaign who gave them the money. I, I would argue that that Perkins Coy pushed Elias out because they know the liability. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, of course they did. They don't want that guy around. Yep. <laughs> as soon as soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh. <laughs> and and that's that's a great point, Tracy. That's what some most people aren't picking up on. If he did nothing wrong and this guy was, you know, like the Democratic God when it comes to lawyers for DNC and Hillary Clinton. Why did they fire him? Yep. I mean, you know, why did they get him out? Because they know he's in hot. And they know Sussman's in hot and they know what these guys did because they have the billing records. And here's another thing. John Durham got the billing records from Perkins Coie. That's not easy to do. So Perkins Coie's general counsel, I believe, was also put in the grand jury by John Durham. So they're cooperating because they're like, uh, we Perkins Coie don't want anything to do with these two guys, one of which you've indicted, another who you've outlined as basically a co-conspirator in your federal pleadings. Yeah. And and it took a a while for them to get here. So that's like why I knew there was something going on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Like they'll they'll sell him out faster. Like 
They have a, <laughs> yeah, a global law for Yeah, definitely going to not give a crap about uh, Elias. I, I actually want to jump back to that deposition you took because I was rereading it a week or two ago and I was like, ah, oh, there he is asking all the right questions. <laughs> he, uh, it's weird to know somebody when you're reading the, <laughs> transcripts. Yeah. You're like the se- you're like the third person to read that depo. So oh, seriously? I don't. And most people just don't read them. Oh, screw that noise! They're great. So look <laughs> here, here, here we are. We're re- uh, he keeps on circling around to the DNC hack, and he says some interesting stuff in there about how the FBI handled it. And we know we know all of that, right? They didn't want to take the servers, blah blah blah. But he starts talking about how how perfect imaging is and how it can't be questioned and when you get a forensic image of something it's it's tough <laughs> and then i'm like well that's interesting because the entire uh audit in arizona you poo-pooed because you said it was an image and those aren't good so i i don't know whatever but why is it they focus so much on the dnc when you know obviously there's still conspiracy out there about that and then how does that move forward into all the other stuff that they're trying to pin on russia even today like is Russia so stupid that they'd go in and leave their fingerprints all over over everything? It, it- well, no, they have their capabilities are far superior to that. So that's just dumb when people say when people in the fake news media say that um, you, you're right to call it out. And basically, why do they want the Russian narrative to look? You have to you know this better than anyone. You guys three lines of effort to to sink Donald Trump with Russia. All three failed because they were false. Steele dossier and the FISA court corruption, Alpha Bank server nonsense at Trump Tower. And now you have this mining of data at the White House through a secret arrangement through the NSA. All three failed, but all three were directed to go out and find BS info per. And obviously, I'm paraphrasing John Durham's pleadings, but basically they were instructed to go out and get information that they knew to be false so they can pitch it back to the federal government and leak it to the media, which was their M.O., two avenues of of getting this information out there and then say, look, Donald Trump colluded with Russia and they still don't want this narrative to die. The problem is our Russiagate investigation, the Hipsy report, Nunes memo, the IG report and soon and all these John Durham indictments and soon to be more are going to eviscerate the Russiagate narrative and show the only people that actually might have colluded with Russia is the Hillary Clinton campaign by hiring those bozos in Russia to feed them nonsense. Oh, and by the way, that Danchenko guy is now also indicted. Yeah. And and he you know, I did an interview with the BBC over last summer. I don't know why. Oh, cool. Yeah. They were asking me all kinds of questions, trying to make it like I was Q. It was a whole big thing. And I asked them, hey, do you know what about Igor Danchenko way before he was indicted? They didn't even know who he freaking was. So they were launching their little special and they wrote me back and they're like, um, oh, it's going to launch this day. I'm like, hey, did you see Danchenko got an indicted? Because their whole yeah. thing was. <laughs> You know, their whole thing was, well, Russia, Russia conspired with the Trump campaign. And, blah. and I'm like, still, you believe this crap? How how? Oh, it's just frustrating. Um, Another question for you. So given all of this is going on and we know now that they were spying on the office of the president and during the transition for sure. Is this, in your opinion, if you can share why Rogers, Admiral Rogers, went to Trump Tower and told him to move? I mean, look, I didn't know Admiral Rogers back then and I wasn't in back then. So I can just speculate based on my time. Well, I was in government, just not doing this stuff. I can just speculate as to why the the director of the National Security Agency would go tell Trump to move because he probably got wind of this information coming in that they were either somebody was either trying to establish a connection into Trump Tower or had done it. Those are the only two reasons that the director of the NSA would go over to the president-elect and tell him that. Now, at least he went over there and told him, the, the, you know, the thing we don't have the details on, and this is the thing I want details on the most from John Durham, is John Brennan, the director of the CIA, went to President Obama in 2016 and briefed him on what the Hillary Clinton campaign was doing to the Trump campaign. Now, the details of that has never been revealed. I want to know how much Brennan knew, how much he told Obama because if they knew all this was going on back then in detail, then why did they do nothing about it? I think Brennan was doing that to cover his A double crooked letter because he probably figured, yeah. you know, something like this would happen at some point. Like, I think you're right. Him and Obama can now say, well, you know, my CIA director told me and, you know, we took action, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> and 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 where does Biden fall into all of this, even though he's a dithering old fool like He's the one who started the whole Logan Act nonsense and they scurried back looking at it like 
I, 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 it kind of blows my mind that people forget about what happened to General Flynn throughout all of this. Like he's, you know, there's this whole campaign now about how he's a deep state actor and all this crap. Little like the, it, Biden has culpability in this as well. And now he's the president. And how does Durham navigate all of this crap without Merrick Garland shutting him down? And will he shut him down? That's the other thing. No, he can't get shut down. It's illegal. So John Durham's a special counsel. He has three federal indictments going. He has multiple federal investigations going. It's not up to the Department of Justice or the Attorney General to shut him down. No federal judge will allow that to happen. Literally. That's why we say when we're former prosecutors and public defenders, there's literally no one more powerful than a federal judge, not even the president of the United States. It is unlawful to stop an investigation once it started and indictments have been presented. You can't do that. So DOJ is not going to do that. They don't have the authority to do that. Um, unless they dismiss the cases, which John Durham is not going to do. And on top of which, when you dismiss the case, as we saw through the whole Michael Flynn saga, you need the consent of court and a federal judge. Um, now, speaking of irony of ironies with Michael Flynn, wouldn't it be interesting if the current national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, to the president of the United States, <laughs> former Hillary Clinton advisor, named by title in John Durham's pleadings, <laughs> as an individual associated with the payments that were going from the campaign to the fancy lawyers, to be it Fusion or Steel or the tech company or Alpha Bank nonsense, server nonsense. And he, and I took his deposition too, Tracy, back when, and he said, I didn't, I don't know what this money was being used for. Are we to believe that this guy running the Hillary Clinton campaign, him and Podesta and Mook had no idea what this money was going for, that they were just chucking tens of millions of dollars out of the campaign and they were like, well, we don't know what that's for. So, you know, whatever, we'll keep spending it. I think that's total BS. I think John Durham needs to investigate Jake Sullivan, put him in a grand jury and put the screws to him and find out what other people knew. Because remember his infamous tweet, him and Hillary Clinton in October of 2016, when all of a sudden, coincidentally, they said, look, Trump's colluding with Russia based on the Alpha Bank server stuff. And yep. what do we find out years later? They paid for that fake news. So are you telling me that those guys put it out on tweet and it was a coincidence and they had no idea that that was about to happen because their lawyer, their own lawyers, what, hid it from them and billed them tens of millions of dollars for it? Yeah. And, and so Sullivan's in the same position that General Flynn would have been in, except he actually is a criminal. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> right. And that's Allegedly. the irony of ironies. So oh, yeah. goodness. So if if Durham can't be shut down unless, a, you know, a judge would never let that happen. He he's indicted people. Everybody keeps on now going to the black pill of, well, there's a statute of limitations. Nah. Go for that. What, what do we what do we do there? Look, uh, there, there are statutes of limitations lying for lying to a federal officer or perjuries, five years, whatever. Fine. Yeah. When you formulate a conspiracy, a Rico style case, a gang case, not that this is a gang case, but in many ways it is. Um you have the ability to toll what we call delay, pause the statute of limitations. Every time someone in the conspiracy, any member of the conspiracy uh, that you are bringing forth takes an overt act in furtherance of that conspiracy, the statute restarts. So if this conspiracy started in 2016, 2015, and then in 2019 or 2017, these bozos come in and do something, make a payment, further the conspiracy statute starts all over again. Mm. And then if they do the same thing a year later, statute starts all over again. I know that because I've brought criminal conspiracy cases dating back years and um, beyond the stat that the, the original statute of limitations, because a conspiracy case allows you to do that. And that's what John Durham has. And even if he has Jake Sullivan and others lying to um, federal officers or the FBI or whatever, and people think that statute's told or that statute of limitations is expired. If it's part of the conspiracy, it hasn't. And he can bring it whenever he wants. So we've got so we've got uh, we've got these guys. We've got uh, Sussman. We obviously Kleinsmith, who walked and skated. I wonder what it was that he provided for that, because everyone's yeah. up, in up in arms about it. Then we have these guys on 1001s, which we all said during you know the Mueller investigation. That's nothing. That's just a nothing charge. And usually. Yeah. That's the roll up charge, right? Yeah, that's how you get guys to cooperate. And that's where Mueller failed. He thought he would get guys to cooperate, but there's nothing to cooperate on. You know, the difference between him and his his clown show Weissman guy was that Durham actually has the facts. What Mueller and his guys were trying to do was 
make up cases to meet a narrative. And mm-hmm. you never do that as a prosecutor. It's illegal. It's unethical. And what John Durham is, is he's got the facts. He's just piecing it all together. And remember, this guy can't get one sentence wrong. He gets one sentence wrong and the media and everybody else is going to say he's corrupt and he's in on it and all that stuff. So that's why he's moving so methodically. I've known this guy for a long time. I remind people he's the prosecutor for the CIA rendition program, which was some pretty serious stuff. Um, Guy's been around for a while. So you really do think that like Barr's parting salvo is the although he's, you know, supposedly in on the whole election fraud conspiracy was to appoint this special counsel to get this taken care of because he even couldn't let this go without some accountability. Well, Barr didn't realize the extent of it. I know that, you know, from personal conversations with all the stuff, all the guys at DOJ. And, um, you know, thankfully he pointed John Durham and maybe the only, you know, one of the few good things he ended up doing because we tried to tell him the extent of this stuff. And the problem with Bill Barr was he wanted to do everything himself. And that's why so much stuff got, didn't get done. So much D-class did not get done. Mm. And his faith in Chris Ray is just shocking, um, to those of us that served in the administration who basically helped cover this up going back to the Rod Rosenstein days. And remember, Rod Rosenstein was the deputy attorney general under Bill Barr for a while, and he allowed that buffoon uh, to corrupt the FBI and DOJ. Rod Rosenstein signed one of the FISA warrants. Rod Rosenstein was responsible directly for precluding the dissemination of of declassified information um, to the American people. So I know that Brian Cates, he's obviously on top of this, like white on white on rice. He is still saying that he thinks Rod Rosenstein was like part of the good guy crew. Can you hammer home for folks why that's not true? Rod Rosenstein was basically the attorney general when Devin and I were running Russiagate. And we went to him and we said, you have an opportunity to uncover something that did not happen on your watch. Instead, what did Rod Rosenstein do? Signed a fraudulent FISA warrant um, that we proved to be fraudulent and that the Department of Justice itself and the FISA court would years later say it's an invalid warrant and they reversed that warrant. Rod Rosenstein knew corrupt information was being funneled into the Department of Justice or at least should have known. We told him about it. We tried to prove it. Uh, we tried to get more Bruce Orr documents out, for example. He refused to believe Bruce Orr was in on it. We showed he was. Bruce Orr was a cutout and his wife was being paid by the Democrats uh, to conjure up Russian nonsense. And then we have Rod Rosenstein threatening Devin Nunes and I that he was going to investigate us Mm. because we were investigating the Department of Justice and doing constitutional oversight of Congress. And he didn't like what we were finding. That is the definition of an egomaniac who cares not only about he cares only about himself and the quote unquote media narrative he's writing or allowing to be written for him. And he has people like that spokesperson, uh, whatever her name, Flores, never Trump are out there going out, spreading lies about people in the media falsely. And uh, that's who Rod Rosenstein is. These are the people that were around him. And that's why we got rid of him. So Rod Rosenstein is no friend of the MAGA movement. And he is also, when you look at it objectively, the worst deputy attorney general in United States history next to James Comey. (laughs) Wow. You know, Christopher Ray's still there. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. It's another that's story for another day. <laughs> and, you know, it sucks because he can walk in and just say, um, I'm wearing my suit and I had no idea any of this was happening. No, Chris, Chris Ray was in those meetings with us oh. back then. And he could have done and he just he just ducked and covered behind the dag. He just said behind Rosenstein. Well, I work for him. So, you know, uh, if, if you guys want something, you have to go to him. He was he was just he was a complete and utter coward. Could have done the right thing. Could have exposed this information Everyone now knows we were right because we were we exposed the FBI's own documents and they refused to declassify them for years. And now people um, only few people are bothering to read them because the media has motored past this um, incident that they were continuously wrong about and pushing out fake narratives to talk about the next fake narrative, COVID-19 or Biden or whatever. You know, what's great is that I just got onto truth um, yesterday or the day before actually. And I'm so excited because it's like one big homecoming and we're all going to get together the million, two million of us or however many end up on there in the next month or two. I'm on there. I know you are for social media. I'm on. I I love it over there. (laughs) And it was so cool because Devin Nunes said, it's so great to have you here. And I was like, yes, the gang's all back. It was, 
It was awesome. And so, you know, we're, we're going to be able to reach people with this work that yeah. it, and it's not going to matter anymore. So this is going to be fantastic, especially going into midterms. If it works out, you sound like you still have some faith in the justice system. <laughs> nah, I mean, I got faith in John Durham. Um, I don't have faith in too much of the, the, the rest of the justice system that's focused on chasing phantom crimes and coming up with regulations to chase down Biden's policy uh, priorities. Um, but uh, and disband, you know, Chinese espionage units, but stand up COVID protection units, whatever, whatever that is. Um, I just don't understand the prioritization of the Department of Justice that I once served in, which was uh, we don't work for politics. We we go out, investigate cases and bring charges, period. And Merrick Garland has showed himself, you know, why why he, he he's not on the Supreme Court, because he is a total partisan. He's sending letters out to, you know on behalf of school boards who want to prosecute parents. I mean, what do, how do you even roll this back? Like if you had, let's pretend we get an administration and they look at you and they say, okay, cash Patel, you're going to be the AG. We're going to get you in there. What do you do? What's the first thing you do as attorney general of the United States? You got to clean house at the upper levels and you got to go and get your deputies in place, your undersecretaries in place, your chiefs of staffs in place, your assistant secretaries in place. All of that has to come in on day one with you. So your the president's agenda and priorities can be implemented. If you do it piecemeal or if you allow rhinos to come in and steal some of those seats, you are going to be screwed, just like we were in the first term of President Trump. And I think everybody's learned that lesson. The bench exists. We're there. We know the people, the guys and gals that we can bring with us. Um, but the next step is, you know, win midterms and then win 24. They're there. Speaking of of chiefs of staff, I want to ask your opinion about Pence. Okay, he he had a chief of staff whose wife seemed to have been working for for Struck and Page as a spy. Do you remember this? I I don't know much about that. Um, You know, I don't get into the Pence conversations. That's for, you know, that's for the political side of things. And that's just not. Do you think that somebody could have it? I'll ask the question differently. Do you think, in your opinion, someone could have anyone, a chief of staff who they don't know is acting against them? Yeah, lots of people have that. So that happens all the time then. You hire somebody. It happened a lot in the Trump administration, not when I was chief of staff, but um, of course, other places. (laughs) So, yeah. okay. just want to make that very clear. It's going to be a complete vacuuming of all the crap that's all over the place. And if that happens. Do you think we have a fighting chance of kind of like reverting back to what we should be if we can do that? Yeah, if we do everything we've been talking about and get the right people everywhere, not just some places, in every slot, and we have the right president and we have a majority at least in the House um, and, and we would need one in the Senate to get a lot of these folks in, then we can do it. Now, will we get it all back? No, um, it'll be too late. The story will be different, but we can get a bunch of it back. Okay, that's optimistic sounding. Um, okay, moving over to moving over to unless Frank, you got any Spygate questions? No, 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 no. This has been a, a nice refresher and a lot of things I never even heard before. So fantastic. So yeah. as we move over into what the hell is going on with Russia and Ukraine right now, I can tell you even on the left or the right, nobody quite knows what the hell to believe or what's happening. And I know that there's a ton of Ukraine history and corruption. Look just at what they did to President Trump at the impeachment and Fiona Hill, who was also in Spygate. Like, it all weaves together. Who is right or wrong? Do you have any opinion? Do you know what's going on? Like, can you share it with us? We don't know. I mean, on on the Russia-Ukraine stuff, look, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think Putin was going to invade. I really didn't think he was going to do that. But he's shown that um, what he wants is a return to the Soviet Empire days, and he's basically willing to greenlight a full-on war to do it. The problem that's been highlighted by that war is multifold. Namely, he has shown the United States national security prowess has been totally decimated under President Biden. Because Trump, Putin comes in and says, who's going to stop me? No one. He's He's got the European uh, leaders in his pocket in Germany and Nord Stream 2 in the gas pipeline because they want their endless supply of free gas or cheap gas and oil. And what does Germany do? The, the biggest ec- economy in Europe, they send them helmets to NATO. I mean, it's ridiculous. What's England doing? What's France doing? And we're sitting over here talking about what we should be doing as a nation, what we should be doing as a nation 
is making sure our commander in chief still makes national security decisions that are in the best interest of us and our allies. And if you do that, then you don't have a Putin invasion. That's the difference. Remember, under Biden, you had Putin declare war and go to war in Ukraine. Under Obama, he escalated a full-on attack in Crimea. Under Trump, not one new war, not one new fight, and we actually shut down three forever wars. And that's the difference when world leaders are actually in respect of, and to a certain degree, afraid of a commander in chief. And that's just not what we have today. And so who's running things? Because it's definitely not Biden. Who do you know? Like Susan Rice, probably. It's terrible. It's terrible. And so now, now we have our militaries basically being decimated in several different ways, whether it's social justice warrior nonsense or demoralization of anyone who had any pride for the country or You know, that's why Frank and I were talking about how they started chanting USA last night in the State of the Union. And we were just like, that's so fake. Like, did you hear that? I mean, it was all to me, it was most of that was fake. And I don't even want to get into the State of the Union because it was just it was just basically if we don't talk about it and we say everything's going to be okay, which means everything's not okay right now on his watch. Right. And the media will just carry the water for us. And the thing that pissed me off the most was. 13 dead American soldiers in his Afghan catastrophe withdrawal. He droned children and civilians, and he didn't even mention the word Afghanistan yeah. or our dead. And you know what? Forget this guy. After that, if the, if there's anyone that's serving or has served and believe this is the right guy outside of that clown that is Millie, then, um, you know, I have no more respect for them, even if they wore the uniform after how he disgraced every member who served and every member who gave their life um, in service last night. How do we even get through the next three years with this guy? Like, Ugh, I don't know. It's three more years. It, I mean, how do you, and then it's not like you want a Kamala Harris in there. If he, you know, the 25th amendment actually does come into play because 30% of Americans um, are lost. 70% of Americans think that he is mentally unfit to serve as president. And that's on the high side. Cause they released it. So what do we do as Americans right now? Like other than like cheering on, obviously, Durham and accountability. What do you you tell people? What do you tell people? You got to chip away at it. You got to get out there and say people are say, how do you win elections? Go to your go support a candidate in whether it's a state level or federal level. Go to a school board meeting. Go to town council meeting. Go to go support your mayor. Like all these little fights add up. And, you know, Loudoun County showed us more than anyone else that you can't piss off suburban moms. Um, You know, things like that matter. They change elections. And the way our constitutional republic is set up, and I agree with our founding fathers on this, is that change can't happen overnight. It can't even happen in a year. It's supposed to be slow. It's tough when you see it. uh, You see what kind of the change, as as they say, elections have consequences. Well, the consequences have been Afghanistan, war in Ukraine and a disastrous southern border and the deaths of so many of our youths because of the opiate crisis. But. People have to start paying attention to those things and continue talking about those things and then figure out ways to fix them. And you fix them by sending people to, to D.C. and winning elections that you can count on and working at the local level. That's what I hammer. Get out there and do something. Whatever it is, go do something. So if uh, somebody were to bring you a case um, and, and you were a prosecutor and like, let's say they brought you the I don't know if you've had a chance to even see this yet, but Wisconsin special counsel on the election. Right. Or let's pretend Arizona's election audit results and came to you and sat them in front of you and said, is there anything to prosecute here? If you were like the AG of Arizona, given what you know now, do you think that there was enough? Do you think that there was voter fraud that changed the outcome of the 2020 election? I just haven't followed that. Like the whole people keep thinking I was like in like on the election stuff. It is like the furthest thing from my wheelhouse. So I could just like follow the media and say, I want all these cases taken to court in Arizona, in Wisconsin, because I want a court decision Mm -hmm. to say this is what happened. Because no matter how loudly you and I say there was voter fraud or the election was stolen or things like that, it doesn't matter unless you have a judicial decision to back it. And that's what I've been asking for is all these cases to go to court, all these guys who are experts in this election stuff and votes and the fraud and the county. And I'm just not one of them. I've never been one of them. So even though I'm a lawyer, I've just never... Yeah. Gone into the field. So 
I want everything in court. Like, take it all to court. Yes, go. And then hope for a good judge because that's the the next issue that we always tend to have. They have no balls and they don't they don't do the right thing. Um, another question for you on the election stuff. I mean, Ratcliffe released this um, report about the Chinese and our election basically at the end and how people inside ignored what could be considered direct kind of intervention over here because they didn't want to be either seen as politicizing or they just ignored it because it would benefit them to ignore it because they were quote on the other side. What do you, how do you depoliticize the the rank and file of these organizations to do the right thing so that they're not like acting at their political whim? Well, Johnny Ratcliffe is a dear friend and I serve with him. He's one of the best guys that we ever put in the cabinet and the administration. So with him in Congress, he helped the Russiagate charge and he was right to put out that report. And the way you, you know, continue doing what the work he started is you have to put out those papers and educate the American public and make sure the media covers at least some of it. Um, and right now we just don't have people doing that because we, we're not in. And unfortunately, that work's not being done. So it goes back to your point of it's going to be tough right now. And it's going to be tough for, you know, hopefully it'll get a little better when we win the midterms in November. Then it's going to be another tough two years. But hopefully President Trump comes in and announces in November he's running. And then we can we can at least have the focus shifted to what we should be doing and continue to show America how bad these policy decisions have left us. But. Yes. And uh, thank you for joining us again. And I'll be in touch with you, I'm sure. And everybody go to uh, fightwithcash.shop and buy yourself some of this great merch. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great one. Ciao. All right. So that was fantastic. Yes. Yes, it was. As expected, though, we did not know what was coming. No, we didn't know it was coming, but we knew it would be good. And it was. Twas good. Um. He's got beanies on here and T-shirts, and I think we need the velour. I really do. I I, I want Aurora has a, a green velour tracksuit kind of a thing, and uh, I'm just like, damn, that looks so comfortable. I used to wear those all the time back in the day, and since fashion is coming back around, I think that we should uh, see what we can't do. Yeah, get ourselves some merch. Um, so let's let's chat a little bit of our our impressions quickly before we go today about this state of the. <laughs> address first of all he got ukraine and i ukrainians and iranians confused the right. man has a teleprompter in front of him honest mistake oh, of course of course i mean why not when you have iranians on the brain i don't know i i mean what what did you it was literally like he was all about building and buying american and i'm like dude where are you what you think that every do you think that Democrats who were disillusioned and getting really upset are now going to be like, oh, well, he's not that bad. Do you think it's going to do it? No, no, you can't. Unsee, you can't unsee any of this stuff. That's why, that's why I think this is ridiculous. This buy American, build American, USA chant nonsense. Like, who do you think? Who do you think that we think you are? This is not 1996. You can't pull this off believably anymore. You hate you. You have your governors of, of of states like New York, so compelled by the politics that have infected your 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 party as to to go out in front of television cameras and microphones and and gaggles of press and say America was never that great. You you have yeah. This is what you. This is your message now. How can you even? So it it was so horrible. I mean, to to say that everything is a lie that came out of his mouth is really just like it's cliche and almost like lazy. But at the same time, it's the only thing you can say, because to actually take apart every syllable would require a week. And nobody has attention span for that. So they, they, they commit to this fire hose mentality of delivering bullshit. And I think maybe maybe they just they just know demographically that they're that whoever is still believing them and walking in lockstep with them are either stupid enough to believe them or evil enough to, to just pivot in the most obvious of ways to, to hopefully manipulate any kind of public opinion of those. I I don't know who haven't been paying attention, but who hasn't been paying attention the last couple of years? I I don't know. I mean, you have, yeah, I think everybody's paying attention for the most part. I, I, I just, I, I, I barely could listen to it. It was terrible. It was just terrible. And, you know, I was waiting. I kept like Kamala was sitting behind him. It looks like she when he said um, Iranian, she like mouthed Ukrainian. 
She looked like she was sitting on a toilet the whole night with with that with that constipated eyebrow furrow of hers. Like it looked like she was trying to take a very hard dump it, all night. It did. And, and then the woman next to her, holy hell! Oh, the Skeletor. Is that Adderall? Is it Coke? She had, the, she had the typewriter jaw going. I know she had the typewriter jaw going, but she did not rip up any speeches at the end. That's one thing she did not do yet last night, Frank. Um, she she stood up and started clapping when he's talking about breathing in like toxic gas. She, it was like the, the claps were in the beginning. The claps were like this. Ready? Like on a beat. Like, I, I, I don't even know what the hell I was watching. I, well, they don't know what to clap for anymore. Oh, no, I know. Because I know because if they clap for. What he was saying last night, then they're basically going to have to face the wrath of the 3% and that they're loud. I don't know. They, they just don't know what's good or what's bad, too. I mean, like, like I said, you had Nancy Pelosi very oddly clapping when Joe Biden is talking about uh, soldiers who had, had had breathed in toxic smoke and she's clapping. It's like, is this good? Do we clap for this? Like they, they, they have no clue. And, and if I have to hear that doddering old bastard say, look, or folks, folks I, know. I know, if I have to hear those two words one more time, I will kill myself. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, oh, and Tracy, yes. how, about, how about we just stop fooling around and just end cancer? Oh, I know. I know. Can we, can, you know what? I, I think that we've allowed this to go on long enough. We, we wanted to see if it would clear up on its own. Let's just end cancer once and for all. You know what's bothering me, too, outside of that nonsense? Like, yesterday, Kamala Harris did this big, like, media tour where she was going all around. Um, and there's this clip that I want to play for you. Hold on. It's right here. There's two clips, actually. Um, she's being interviewed about, about uh, Russia. And hold, I'm just going to pause it for two seconds. Listen to how she talks to the, the, listen to this. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia <laughs> decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So oh. basically that's wrong. That, that's... <laughs> Who is she talking to? Kindergartners? I mean, here's another one. Here's another this is one. Worse than, this is worse than the patronizing that Hillary Clinton does. I, I It was bad. That's bad. Here. And some people did question those sanctions because they said that you had a conflicting opinion against President Joe Biden. He said that the sanctions were put in place to prevent anything from happening. And you said the opposite. So which one is it? We had sanctions before the actual invasion. We threatened sanctions to hopefully deter Russia from going in. So we basically, you know, like if you're a parent and you tell your children, well, if you do this, the punishment is going to be that, right? right? And we hope that by doing that, it will deter our children from doing the wrong thing, right? right? So that's deterrent. So that's where we started with the sanctions. But then when Russia actually went in, we are now implementing the sanctions. Right. Understood. So putting them in place. Um, yeah, because you guys are five and... I, I mean, seriously. We're like, going to put in sanctions. Going to put in sanctions and then we'll put sanctions here and then we'll just put all sanctions around. We'll build, we'll build up a wall of sanctions around us to keep us safe. OK, some some people may come in and take sanctions away, but then there might be sanctions that come after the sanctions are taken away, too. <laughs> and, and perhaps we can merge some sanctions and. <laughs> Freaking idiots. Stupid. Stupid idiots. I mean, it's just all stupid. Like, what? <laughs> I I don't know. Um, idiots. Quickly, before we go today, we had the Texas elections yesterday where people went in to vote in the primaries and were told you can only vote in today's primary if you're voting for Democrats. I saw that. Was that real? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, my any, gosh. Any explanation? There were staffing issues, apparently. I, which I think is BS. I, I don't. I don't. They didn't have any people to staff the Republican side of the primary. I don't know. It's terrible. And 
Speaking of, of I'm jumping because I just saw this headline on uh, Citizen Free Press. Uh, what the hell is Vodka Skeletor doing? That's what he calls it. <laughs> vodka Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I really hope. Oh, goodness. I don't know what the next three years is going to bring, Frank. I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen in November. If everything goes the way we think it will, I think we'll be very happy. Um, however, we better get a president in there in 2024 that's going to do what Cash Patel said and make him age. I want a Cash Patel AG. Oh, imagine that. I want it. And I want to be press secretary. So I'm just saying. Well, that, that would be one hell of a thing. Then the lawsuits will really flow. Yeah. But, but you would have a, a lot better legal team around you. I think so. I think you don't so. have to worry about it. I like my legal team right now that I have. It's Jesse Banal. Jesse Banal is is defending me in it's in this lawsuit that is being uh, it, that was brought against me, and it's very expensive. <laughs> this is why I say it's it's like it's it sucks because if you're sued for something that you b- believe is nonsense, which is what I believe, it costs you a lot of money, a lot of money. And thank God for everyone out there who's helped me because geez, that's the one good thing about us, Frank. We we hold each other up. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. I think we'll be back on Friday. You've been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with Hump Day Val and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 Eastern on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and RadioInfluence.com. And we will be back on Friday. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. UFC 272 is on Saturday night. We've got the the rivalry between uh, Jorge Maslow and Colby Covington. Uh, a great piece on MMA Junkie this uh, on Monday by Danny Segura, kind of outlining really the uh, kind of how this beef really started about uh, a longtime coach of Jorge Maslow. He gives he, he has him start working on Colby Covington. Ultimately, uh, the RDA fight is where he doesn't pay the coach, and that's kind of the, the root of everything with this one. But you know, I was thinking about this fight, and you know, I think I mean, look, I think we would all agree that Colby Covington is a second best second best 170 pound fighter in the world but I feel like because of how Colby Covington presents himself in the public and in interviews whatnot I think people kind of tend to forget how great of a fighter this guy is yeah I mean look Covington nearly beat Kamara Usman when they fought in that rematch yeah. that was a, a close fight and Kamara Usman is He's he's number one, right? He's a he's a top pound for pound fighter in the UFC rankings, and I believe so. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would think so. Uh, it's either it's got to be either him or uh, Izzy, and Usman has doesn't have the blemish that Izzy has with the loss to Jan. So, like Usman's probably the best fighter on the planet, and Kobe Covington nearly beat him. It was a really close decision. I had it scored for Usman, but if Kobe Covington had his hand raised at the end of the night, it would have been the most surprising thing in the world. And what was super impressive about that fight from Kobe's standpoint was like his standup was was much better. His standup was pretty good. And when you look at this matchup with Jorge Masvidal, I mean, Masvidal's a big dog here. I mean, I, I look at the betting odds and, and Kobe's anywhere from minus 300 at, and whatnot. So even if the casual fans have forgotten, Las Vegas has not. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.